welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. So, Dim, my kids had perhaps one of the most thrilling moments of their life right before we sat down to record this podcast. Oh, did you meet your neighbor, your celebrity neighbor? No, did not. Uh, we have uh, not so far met. We um, live down the street from the uh, main characters of Grimm, um, the couple who plays Juliet and Nick on the show. In real life, they are a real couple, and they uh, own a house about six houses down from us. And we've met um, the actress named Bitsy. We've we've met her, and um, and John has run past the house when we saw the actor David Gentoli outside his house, and we've seen them seen them like in his car, but no, we have yet to meet him. But no, 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 they an even bigger, more thrilling celebrity for my children. Um, they met Grumpy Cat this morning. <laughs> And Grumpy do, Cat? Who's that? Do, do you know from Grumpy Cat? Oh my goodness. So Grumpy Cat is this actual cat, this living cat, and it's basically a living meme. It has books, YouTube videos, um, calendars, cards. Grumpy Cat is on TV commercials. Like It is this cat that very specifically, its natural countenance makes it look incredibly grumpy. Uh-huh. And so my kids love grumpy cat i mean love grumpy cat think of the the celebrity you would most want to see like like george clooney level of love for the celebrity <laughs> and so um today was late start in portland a once once a month occurrence and usually i drive the kids to school and um, i was trying to get ready for the podcast i'm like jack can you drive them and so um it is we he dropped off our middle schooler and then he had about 20 minutes to kill before dropping the twins off at elementary school and i had specifically said don't go to starbucks don't buy them anything like go, stop and go for you know a 15 minute walk it's a lovely day here something like that that like that's what mom does to you know sure uh kill that 15 minutes oh no Jack took the twins to Voodoo Donuts, which, <laughs> which you know because the only other Voodoo Donut is in Denver. And so, you know, anyone who's been to Portland has seen those pink boxes that they have and, you know, all the funky flavors. And, and it's a real treat. We rarely, rarely go to Voodoo Donuts. So, they, so Jack took them to Voodoo Donuts. And they're supposedly in a stretch limo outside of Voodoo Donuts is Grumpy Cat with its owner. And I guess they were inside and somebody said, oh, you guys ought to go outside. Grumpy Cat's outside and they're taking pictures. Jack got the cutest dang photos of them with Grumpy Cat. It is hilarious. Wow, did they get to hold him? Uh, so the, no, that you see, um, I, I Instagrammed this picture and tweeted it. And um, and so there, you can see this man's hand. And so the cat is between the twins and looking incredibly grumpy. Um uh-huh. So anyway, so, and so I thought at first, like when Jack texted me the picture, I thought it was just like, oh, you know, oh, it kind of looks like Grumpy Cat or something. And I call him like, is that the Grumpy Cat? And the kids are like, Jack has to be on speakerphone and the kids are like, yeah, mom, it was Grumpy Cat. Like, Oh my so. gosh. So Grumpy Cat lives in Portland, huh? No. See, I don't think Grumpy, I'm almost positive Grumpy Cat does not live in, I think Grumpy Cat lives in Brooklyn or I don't know, some oh, other hipster on. place. Grumpy Cat so, travels around the nation oh, going to oh, Voodoo please. Donuts? Oh, Grumpy Cat goes to oh, shows. Oh, because he's written I, books and stuff. I oh, forgot. I mean, Grumpy yeah. Cat like goes. I'm pretty sure goes to Comic Con and other sorts of you know I don't know wow. feline fancier type shows. I mean, Grumpy Cat is um what's the oh um well the other one that they would love to see is Lil Bub. 
um, which is the other famous cat. And I used to keep on saying Little Bub, Little Bub, and my kids are like, Mom, it's Lil Bub. Lil Bub. That's like Lil my stepdad Bub. asking me how to say 50 Cent. 50 Cent? Like, I don't know, but the fact that you've been asking me is uncomfortable and awkward, so stop. Yeah, so, wow. so yes. So Lil I, Bub. Lil Bub. So they have, so I mean, yes, those are the, I mean, it, like we're talking like Miley Cyrus type level of, of um, celebrity. Oh, I feel like I should go like parse like the Humane Societies around here to find a cat, find a grump, find a mother runner cat. What would a mother runner cat wear? What would it look like? It'd be like incredibly lean. It'd be like, I only eat tuna. <laughs> no, it'd be incredibly busy. It would be like running yeah. here, running there. <laughs> it would have 17 kittens and then be like, um, yeah, and I only eat tuna and um, I only run 5Ks because that's all I can fit in. Um, that's awesome. Well, good. I'm glad they got their celebrity moment. I'm trying to think if I've seen any celebrities lately, but I don't think I have. There weren't, um, there weren't any. I was at the Hartford Marathon this weekend. Hi, Hartford. Mm-hmm. Um, such a good race. Um, and just you couldn't have dialed up better running weather. I mean, it was awesome. like – I, you know, I kind of struggled through that half marathon, a trail race a couple weekends ago. And I'm like, okay, I'm done, done with racing. And, um, I was off not going to voodoo donuts, but to Starbucks after we set up our little, um, little plate, a little booth in the finish line pavilion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I happened to see the start and I was like, oh my gosh, like I just got the chills. It, it happens every starting line. I mean, you're just, I'm like, and you guys are so lucky. I mean, it was like, beautifully sunny day but like low 50s you know like you wear shorts in a in a top but because at the beginning because it's going to be chilly but then you just go and I mean so many PRs I mean literally the people that came to the table I was like okay I don't think anyone's run over a 150 half marathon they all come oh like, my gosh. I, I ran 148 I ran 138 I ran 142 I was like oh my gosh we are flying with the super women um <laughs> but it was just that kind of day I mean of course there were people that that didn't um run that speedy, but they, everybody just had such a good day because it was just the weather the year before it had been, um, like raining and not Mm -hmm. raining, but like sideways deluge, you know, this is awful. I'm never running again, raining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so for them to have a good day this year is, is, it was, was good retribution. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was in Chicago at our first, uh, booth at a world major marathon and it was just so much fun meeting so many women who love the podcast. And, um, I just want to share a few quick stories. One was this woman, Katie, who had never heard of us before. Um, and she had about a 15 month old and she dim literally did a happy dance in the booth being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe there's something like this that exists for people like me. And, <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, you, this is, this is what a happy dance looks like. And, um, so then the, but, but speaking of fans of the podcast, there was, uh, met Valerie from Puerto Rico and she just this darling, very petite woman. And she said that she doesn't listen to the podcast when she runs, but she oftentimes listens to it in the car and while she's driving her kids around and she said that her son can do a perfect imitation of my laugh. And <laughs> so of course, which made me howl with laughter, which then made me feel incredibly self-conscious because that's what she's saying <laughs> that he imitates. Sure. So I'm like, you must send me a video. So Valerie, I was serious when I said you must send me a video because I know if nothing else, my family will howl with laughter 
seeing, uh, you know, a child from the island of Puerto Rico imitating their mother laughing. So, um, so please send that to, uh, I guess, runmother at gmail.com. I would really appreciate that. Um, I have a, I have a surprise coming for you too, Sarah. Oh, I met, well, so, um, when I went for my run on, um, I guess it must've been Friday morning in Hartford, I ran past the Connecticut historical and something else museum like it was a historical society and museum or something i can't remember it was it was i because my mom's big in the stanford historical society so yes, i noticed this yes. historical society yeah yes and um and so i i was like oh sarah she would have loved this and then somebody came by later that day her name was andrea and um and i was she somehow um i took a picture of it and sent it to you the, the outside yes. mm-hmm. um andrea came up and she was like um somehow it came up that she works. I was like, Oh, wait, I, I ran by there today. Is this where you work? And, um, she goes, yeah. And, uh, and she said that they have this, um, dress on display right now. It's the running dress from the oh. 1961 Manchester road race. Um, Julia Chase brand, who is one of the like running pioneers. So, so anyway, she sent me a picture of it. So I'll, I'll maybe put it up on Instagram or something. It's part of Connecticut, 50 objects, 50 stories. Oh, I love that. Um, that's so awesome. Cool. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. Wow. I'm feeling a, some, my, my heart is swelling with home state pride. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, we have a very special podcast today. It is, we've recorded half of it a week ago with our wine glass uh, finishers. And then today we uh, talked to Laura, my um, 26 strong cadet. And so this show is all about first time marathoners. But first, we're going to hear a quick message from one of our partners. So, hey, you guys. So happy to, to have you on today and to hear about your races. Congratulations. <laughs> C- congratulations, you marathon mothers, you. My goodness. Woohoo! Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So we'll, I'll ask uh, questions. To, we can, you know, we'll kind of, because there's four of us on this podcast right now, we'll kind of have to say, like, Marianne, Heather, Sarah, Dimity, you know? So, um, so if you just so we don't interrupt each other too much. Um, so I guess I'll start with you, Marianne. How, how'd it go? How, how was your day? Well, it was. I teach statistics, so I've turned it into proportions. Um, 85% was good to phenomenal, and 15% was so much harder than I had prepared for. <laughs> uh, really? But, the, wow. but importantly, importantly, the end was fantastic. So um, I'm calling it absolutely a solid win. And I suppose 85% would be a B, but the end was good enough. I'm giving it an A minus. Oh, very good. Okay. And very right. good. And so tell us, tell us about, um, what, what, well, we'll get into the, let, let's, let's, um, and what about you, Heather? If you had to give some stats about your race, what would they be? Oh my gosh. You guys didn't tell me I was going to have to talk stats. Um, <laughs> I, I, Marianne and I were talking about this after the race and she said that she had more fun than not. And I said, you know, I don't know that I can say that much of it was fun, but I think that a lot of it was very satisfying, which is different. That's, I really like that description, um, that, uh, really parsing the words there. I think, um, satisfying is an excellent adjective for a marathon. <laughs> and, and I will say, I agree with Marianne that I was not prepared for how hard this was like I I coming from someone who has had two natural childbirths at home this was one of the hardest things I've ever done wow wow Wow. I I also like that qualifier because like when if you watch Survivor people are always like this is the hardest thing I've ever done it's like 
You're 22. <laughs> of course, living in a shelter eating rats is hard. Like, so, uh, you know, at least you've actually done something very physically challenging, Heather. So, so you can put it into context quite nicely. Um, so, yeah. Well, what were the hard, I mean, so to, let's, to, let's, since you guys both, I mean, let's, let's just dive right in. What were the hard things? I mean, Marianne, that 15%, what was that? So that was around miles. It started to get ugly around 19. Um, it was, it was my head. I definitely didn't prepare like I should have. It didn't occur to me until somewhere between 19 and 20 that maybe putting on some music would help. It was a small field and I lost my pace group. And so it really started to feel like I was just out running in neighborhoods um, and I was tired and I didn't have a, I just didn't feel that sort of motivation to want to keep running, but it was, it was absolutely mental. And so I tricked myself. I would run for a song, walk for a song, run for two songs, walk for a song, but I hadn't set up playlists. So I'm, you know, messing around with my phone at 21. I sent a text to Heather and Gina because I thought, oh, Heather there we go. Would be there done by then and said the promised bells, <laughs> the bell, it was quarter after um, I sent a text that, that I, Heather should have been about done at that time and said, hope you're done, Heather. I'm behind, but I won't quit. Um, it was definitely I, I was, you know, wishing that I even had the mental skills podcast still on my player but of course I didn't I was afraid if I streamed I would lose my cell phone um so yeah it was, it was, oh you were just kind of a hot technological mess huh right right which for someone that uh prepares usually really well I was surprised that it didn't occur to me that it I might want to have a backup plan I really thought like well, I'll be with the pacers I'll chat with people and this one Blake Shelton album should be plenty but that's actually not a great running album after the first song <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so what pace group were you with and, um, tell us actually how it was to run with a pace group. Cause uh, we, we get that question a lot and we're kind of, um, somewhat not strong supporters of pace groups for a couple different reasons. So t talk to us about that, please. Well, I was with a five hour pacer and I really wanted to run. So it wasn't a challenging pace for me. Those are 1127s. And I really liked her. She was very personable and she learned people's names and got the group chatting a bit and I was chatting with some other people that were in the group so I was enjoying it during the time that I was able to stay with them. I'm not sure that if I wanted to race hard that I would have liked that because then you have to work out all these social norms with a bunch of strangers. Are you going to talk or not talk? Um, how much personal space do people deserve to have when you're doing this thing as a group? Is it inappropriate to go rushing past them and sliding back in? Um, so in that case, I'm not sure I would have liked it. For, but for just wanting to enjoy the run, I, I liked having new people around. At right. what point did you lose them? It was, I'm not positive, somewhere between 16 and 20. I think probably closer to 20. There are like these large stretches but I'm not exactly sure what happened. I know I must have run the graph that shows I ran. I don't know what I was doing. It must have been closer to to between 18 and 19. I lost. There was like a water stop where I just didn't pick up with the group fast enough and was like, oh, whatever, guys, have fun. Mm -hmm. I'll see you. I'll see you maybe at the after party. Hmm. So I'm surprised also that that wine glass was so sparse by that point. Like, that's, that's really kind of surprising. Like, so there was really kind of nobody around you? 
Oh, there would be the people that were around were not running, so they weren't motivating me to run, right? Mm. There were some more of us that were kind of walking slowly past, but there were only there were less than 2,000 finishers. And I calculated I was, you know, about the like around the 20th percentile, so there weren't definitely compared to the start, there weren't a ton of people, or if they were, maybe I was too. Uh, I definitely wasn't. I always think of Bethany's marathon drunk phrase, mm. I think I was more like marathon perplexed so maybe there were if i saw a photo i'd be shocked to learn that i wasn't alone but i felt alone but i also love you doing did did you do that math in the race itself did you figure out the i'm in the 20th bottom 20th percentile like as you're running or is that something you've done since then i've done that subsequently but i was trying to think of a good way at mile 19 to feel enthusiastic and nothing (laughs) sounded good like seven miles to go did not sound good myself you know, when I hit 16, I remembered thinking Bethany did a marathon, never running past this. That didn't seem to help me because it was still 10 more miles. It's just a five mile jog. That didn't help either. Um, yes, I was trying to do a lot of math, which again, not a good use of my brain, right? I should have been using just the smile, just the smile, just the smile. Just the smile. Well, and, and we'll um, switch to you in a, in a second, Heather, but I'm just curious because you did the training. I mean, you felt very strong. So it wasn't your body giving out. It was your mind not being interested in running anymore? I mean, am I putting words in your mouth or is that true? Yeah, I think that was true. I think I was just, I think I was just tired, especially after 20, which I'd never run that far and not having, I think the crowd support was also thin for stretches of that race. Um, So not feeling like, one thought that I had was, I, I don't mind disappointing myself. I don't like to disappoint other people. So I think if a stranger on the side of the road said, I'll be disappointed in you if you don't start running again, I probably would have started <laughs> running. There was no part of me that thought, you're, I'm kind of, you're kind of disappointing yourself. You, like, need- <laughs> right. you know how sometimes um, there'll be signs that people hold, uh, spectators will hold, you know, run, random stranger, run. And you need to yes, like, a, like encourage me, random stranger, encourage me. <laughs> Oh my god. Then at the end I really I picked up at at twenty-four that same brain that didn't care. I got it to care again and I ran it out from just past twenty-four to the end. So you know, there was no I I just need to the next time I do this, I need to figure out how to click that in Uh and win over over the other part. Okay. Okay. So and what was your your finish time? Five twelve. My Strava says fifty-three, but I did try not to be touching my watch right as I crossed the finish line. So something right under five hours, 13 minutes. But it's, which chip, I had, it's chip time, right? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. But that, um, it is chip time, but it's, it's just under five hours, 13 minutes. And I had written on my pacing bib five ish. So <laughs> I feel like I, I totally ran a five ish marathon. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, so Heather, um, you ran a four ish marathon. Let's, let's hear how it went for you. I did. Yeah. 403.36. Unlike Marianne, I know the exact time. Of course. <laughs> we can with our personalities on this one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was hard. Um, I will say right from the get go, it, I was very intimidated. You know, I, I said goodbye to Marianne at the five hour pace or I walked her there and then just walking down that stretch uh, full of runners toward the finish line. I just keep thinking, why am I getting so close to the starting line or said sure. finish line to the starting line? I should not be this close to the starting line. <laughs> I am not fast enough to be this close to the starting line. It was very intimidating, but, um, 
I started out um, with the four-hour pace group, and um, and it was fine. Nobody, I had an opposite experience from Marianne. Nobody was very chatty at all. I mean, people were friendly-ish, but um, it was definitely not a, oh, let's, you know, run and chit-chat group. Mm -hmm. Like, that was not happening at all, mm -hmm. um, which was somewhat disappointing to me. But I, I popped in. Um, my friend Roger is a DJ, and um, he has a couple mixes that I really love. And I popped one in around mile three, and it was like a whole new race. As soon as I mm -hmm. started listening to music, it just like totally pepped me up. And I saw our friends Abby and Tamara that drove five hours to crew and cheer us on. I saw them and my parents right around that time. And I was just like, all right, let's do this. And kind of like Marianne said, um, pretty much from mile four to 18 is just a big blur. Um, <laughs> like she said, like, I, I know I ran, I know I saw some people and some things happened, but I really remember very little of it. Um, again, not unlike childbirth. Um, so the wheels started coming off the wagon a little around mile 18, which was frustrating to me because that wasn't even the farthest I'd run. And my 20 mile runs had really felt pretty good. But, um, but yeah, around, around mile 18, I just, I, I, my body started feeling very worn down. And, um, I think that there's a couple reasons that may have contributed to that one around mile six, I actually went out in front of my pace group a little bit. And, um, when I look back over, you know, I, I uploaded my run to Garmin or to Strava and, um, I, I was not going as fast as I thought I was going. I thought that I was keeping around 8.50s at that time, and I really was staying pretty close to, to 9. But that's still a little brisker than the 9.09 that I should have been at. And um, so I think that that might have worn me down a little bit. And I also wasn't – I didn't follow what I said I was going to do. I did not lay out a good fueling strategy, mm -hmm. and I was behind on fuel. And I knew that I was not taking in enough calories or fluid. Mm -hmm. But by the time I realized that – neither of those things sounded good to me. Um, I was I was using the same plan that I'd been using all through uh, the second half of my training, which is a combination of um, Tailwind and Stinger Chews. And that had worked great for me through training. And by the time I got up into the upper teens, it was like every time I took a swig of my bottle, like I, I just felt like I could just feel it like settling into my stomach in a very unpleasant way. Mm -hmm. um, and I was worried. I felt like I had to pee and I was worried about having to take the time to pee and, you know, grappling with, do I stop and pee or do I try to hold it? <laughs> you know, all these glamorous runner details. Yeah. Do you think, um, so, I mean, so what would you have done differently? I mean, and, and let's, and let's put, put this out here for, for both you guys though, too. I mean, you both had amazing races, you know? So, I mean, so I don't want to like be like, it was hard. I did this all wrong. <laughs> I lost my pacer, you know, because the reality is, is you both yeah. nailed your races. You both went in and you had different goals and you both came very, you know, you, you nailed your goals. I mean, I know, I know Heather, you were, you were gunning for a sub four, but you know, I mean, we always say like the first goal of any race of a new distance is to finish uninjured and with a smile on your face. And you guys both did that like with flying colors. So I mean, I guess I just, I just want to like really, like, I, I, I don't want to, to make this sound like, oh, it was so hard and I'm never going to do it again because are you guys going to do it again? Do you think? Yeah. Oh, no question. No question. I, 
I have definitely got the bug. And I mean, I don't know if I'm going to start gunning for a BQ like I had thought about, but um, this will this will by no means be my last marathon. And Marianne, how about you? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I don't think that I want to do a spring marathon. My department chair is going back to get her second chance at New Jersey Marathon. I don't think the training timing is great for me as much as I love fall and winter running more uh, training in the summer just works with my life better so maybe something for next fall um, or I seem to recall people speaking very highly of Little Rock so I've sort of thought about Little Rock in in March of 2017 that timing might work okay but certainly before I turn 40 I want to do at least at least one more marathon um, so that I can have a another PR for that decade. And then I'll, I'll worry about that. Um, my forties after that. Right. Nice. Nice. I like the advanced planning. That's very good. Um, I, I also, I, you know, Dimity, I, I, I really also, like you said, I, I don't want to make it sound like I had a bad time. One of the things that I really want to address is, you know, I was so gunning for that sub four. And even going into it, when I was talking with friends and family, I was saying, you know, it's not a question of whether or not I can finish. I know I can finish. It's all about the goal. And I cannot say enough how fine I am with my final time and how proud I am of my final time. Right around mile 24 was when I realized, you know, my, my pace group was ahead of me. I they were still close enough that I could catch them if I felt like I had it in me. And I just didn't, I I don't know if I had it in me or I didn't want to have it in me, but I was just like, nope, that is not going to happen this race. And I just let that goal go. And for someone who has a hard time letting go of goals, it was probably more shocking to me than anyone how easily I just shifted to, okay, new goal, finish, and was fine with it. And, and I'm really, I, 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 as much as you can love a horribly painful last mile, I really loved the last mile. Well, that's so awesome because I, I have definitely had my fair share of races, particularly marathons where I let go of my goal and get, have a new one. And there have been times that I've had regrets and there's been times that I'm like, Oh, that was the best decision I ever made. And I'm just so pleased to hear that you sounds like you were okay with it in the moment. And since then, when, now the, that the immediate pain has left you, you are still very good with your decision. And that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of my time and I can't wait to get back out there and, and try to whittle, whittle it down further. Nice, nice. So, so we are three days post race as we record this, and um, so got to ask: Are are your you know thighs and quads still shrieking as you squat to sit on the toilet, or how are you feeling? I feel, as I told the pacer at mile thirteen, I feel annoyingly great. Actually, um, <laughs> I think part of it is that I didn't race uh, except the last, you know, maybe the last mile. I picked up my pace and I ran as hard as I could the last sort of point two or whatever. But I stretched a lot. I foam rolled. I saw the chiropractor Monday. I had a massage yesterday. And I woke up this morning, other than some blisters that are just about gone, I, you wouldn't even, I don't, I can't even remember if I didn't have physical evidence that I'd run a marathon on Sunday. If, you know, if I woke up with amnesia, I wouldn't believe you because I don't feel, <laughs> my body feels really 
really solid, which I think is a testament to, to training well and to the fear that Dimity put into me in New Jersey when I met her during the spring book tour and introduced myself and said, oh, I'm going to be, I'm the person that's going to be writing. And, and her words to me were, don't get injured. <laughs> so that was my... <laughs> That was my goal, and I think that I was extremely successful at meeting that goal. I did not get injured. That's awesome. Well, thank you for for listening to me and humoring me. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, because, yeah, so I'm glad you guys, I mean, that just to make it through that training cycle, because the Find Your Strong training, I mean, it was, it's a, it's a great, great plan, but it is not um, a straight-up beginner plan. You know, I mean, a straight-up beginner plan has you running 20 once, and this one you could run 20 twice if you wanted to. It was either one 20 miler and one 18 to 20 miler. So that's basically in my mind, 20 twice. Um, and, and Heather, how are your legs feeling? Mine today are finally feeling okay. I was the opposite of Marianne. I was like hobbling whenever I stood mm-hmm. up and it was all quads. My quads were just excruciatingly mm-hmm. yep. painful. Yep. Oh my God. <laughs> but today, and so I was like, you know, doing around the clock a leave and, you know, trying to stretch and all of that stuff. But, you know, and I'm sure driving home five hours in the car the day after the race didn't help either, but but um, but yeah, I have I have not run yet, and tonight I have a date with my MRTT girls, and we are going to do a three mile run, and then grab dinner and um, catch up. And I today is the first day where I woke up feeling like my legs were really craving a run, so I'm looking forward to tonight for a number of reasons. Oh goodness, oh goodness! I remember those days when I would run three days after a marathon, and I, <laughs> oh, I, no. I really, really have learned the value of not running for a week afterwards. Oh, you're, you're don't long, tell me that! I'm so excited. You're, but you can, you can still eat with them. You can still have dinner with them. The um, I, just the, particularly the long term recovery. You know, I mean, I, I, I did it a lot. I, you know, I've done a dozen marathons and I w- would just go out there. Okay, it's Wednesday. I'm going to go, you know, just start running again. And, but when I finally held myself back and made it so that I didn't run for a week, I would do other exercises, swimming, biking, you know, maybe a bar class, something like that. But, but to not run then 20 days out, 30 days out, you know, whatever it was, I always felt so much better. So I just, you know, I'm just going to plant that seed, you know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know I'm not going to listen to you, right? She <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah, yeah, wants but... to go and hang with her girlfriends. And it's, it's three miles. It's not like you're going to go run. Three little for... mini miles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to get that. Fine. I think you just have to go and just go slow, you know, and yeah. just go enjoy yourself. Um, and then if it doesn't feel good, then take that as a sign that, in fact, you really do need to take it easy for the next week, two weeks, three weeks. Um, because you know, and you, you raced, you know, and that's, and we say that you need a day of rest or active recovery for every mile you raced. So you raced 26 miles. So you really need 26 days of taking it fairly easy. Um, but and three miles, 26 days of, of not running. Oh yeah. yeah no, 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 I said, no. I said very active recovery. That. I mean, so three hour, okay. I mean, a three mile run is in my mind, active recovery. You know, it's probably no workout over an hour and probably no run over 40 minutes, I would say, you know, I mean something, but, but everything easy, nothing tempo, nothing intervals, not a 5k, you know, just because you've got all this bank fitness, you know? Um, and that's, and that's, and that's also, I mean, it's, it's a personal thing, right? And you might be, you might rebound faster than somebody, 
you know, who is, you know, say 55 years old or, you know, something like that. But, you know, I mean, as a, as a general rule of thumb, you know, as applicable as those are to the general population, that's, that's kind of a good way to figure out how to, how long to take it easy. Yeah. And for the record, uh, she wasn't talking about me when she said 55 years old. Uh, I'm not there yet. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, one of the races that I felt the best that I felt I recovered the, the best from was Big Sur, and I went to a, I was working as a magazine journalist at the time, and I went to a women's um, kind of sports camp immediately, immediately after the race, and had to do a lot of cycling. It was led by Colleen Cannon, who's just this exuberant former professional triathlete who, you know, could get you to, you know, I don't know, do a hundred burpees an hour after you ran a marathon because she's so upbeat. And, uh, and so I just felt all that, you know, all that spinning, all that flushing of my legs round and round really helped get things, um, back to normal. So, you know, it all, it does all sort of depend. I'm, I'm never doing a hundred burpees. <laughs> I'm, I'm never doing 10. So, so tell, so tell us like what, so what was one really, really good thing that happened in the race? Like where you were just like, Oh, I'm smiling. I'm loving this. I'm running a marathon. I'm a mother runner. You know, like what, when did you, did you have a moment like that? And if so, when? Marianne? I have, I have 12 moments. I want to, I want to decide how do I, what moment do I most want to talk about? You, you have 12 I probably at least twelve. I probably have fifty if I started. Oh, listing. okay. Well, do you want to give us our top three? That's okay. I didn't. I just didn't want to put you in the spot if you didn't have any. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to pick one post race um, moment, which was that it, it ended up being just a great racing weekend. So Heather and I, automatic PR, first marathon. My friend Sarah, she took 25 minutes off of her previous marathon, and I had two friends um, that did the half, and they both PR'd. Nice. So wow, I think that's great. That. that Oh, and then the the cheer the cheering crew from Ohio. Those two ladies got yeah. PRs in their five k. So we and Abby just... placed what what third in her age group for the five k. Yes. Oh, how yes. exciting! Yeah. So, so that um, just sort of that that spirit of of, of so many people feeling like they've uh, accomplished something um, that really that feeds me well. But I'll pick two things that I'll also write about for my podcast, which were just two moments. Um, during the race, one during the time that I was having a really hard time, I, I came around this turn and there was just this line of uh, train cars, I think oil tankers. My dad will correct me if I've mislabeled um, when he sees the photograph. Uh, but my father models tiny trains as a hobby. And so I just, you know, instantly like just thought of my dad and, and thought of, you know, just if he was there, just how excited and supportive um, he would be of me. And so that made me feel feel very happy to see that. And it was at a good time when I was feeling down. And then uh, again, towards the end, um, probably right before we go over this, um, this just a gorgeous bridge, which is right before the finish line, I was running along. And by this point, I had picked my pace back up um, to what ended up being just under an 11 minute mile. So I think um, like probably my second fastest mile of the race uh, between 25 and 26 and um there was just out of nowhere this butterfly uh, started to fly along with me for a bit and uh, i guess a lot of people say this i had never heard it uh, this summer someone told me that they tell their grandkids who had just lost another grandparent that butterflies are the people you love who've gone on coming back to say hello and so i just i i stopped thinking and i just said out loud i just said hi mom i love you thanks for being here um and then I pushed even harder and got that thing done. 
Oh, that's awesome. done. Wow, that's that's beautiful. What about you, Heather? What were some uh, what were some highlights for you? Some oh joy moments. Well, aside from the finish line, which I mean, of course, is amazing for everyone. I hope. Um, but I so again around that uh, I get well. Actually, it was the mile right after the mile twenty two water stop, and I was really starting to have a hard time. And I had stopped to walk, which I had originally said I wasn't going to walk at all. And if you look at my Strava map, I walked a lot. Um, but I had I had taken tape and put first full on the back of my uh, badass mother runner shirt that I was wearing that day. And I was walking and just feeling awful. And this woman with a long braid, I don't know what her name was, she came up behind me and she was so no nonsense. Um, she said, I know it's your first full. Let's go. And I was mm. like, okay. <laughs> okay, started, okay. You say exactly. So. I'm just like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. And I started running with her and we didn't talk at all. We just ran together and it, I was so grateful to her for just picking me up and moving me forward again. And my dad, right around just shortly after she and I started running together, um, my parents showed up on the sidelines and um, my dad is a big lover of traditional folk music and um, he and I both play fiddle and play together in a contra dance band and he plays I don't know a gazillion instruments but he had brought his penny whistle with him because he can oh. never be without an instrument and so he like runs up and was actually jogging alongside me for a while playing penny whistle which was hilarious and absurd and adorable because he is not a runner he, he he he's just not into running he's never really understood it and it was his birthday so he gave up his birthday to to be there um you know watching me do this ridiculous thing that he doesn't totally get and and the whole thing was just it, it was hilarious and lovely and i was just so appreciative to everyone i would give good money to see some video of that i mean <laughs> It's just, I mean, the penny whistle, it's like quite an arcane instrument to play. And I just, I just see your dad is like, you know, a, a very tall leprechaun, like, do, 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 you know, clicking up his heels and all this stuff. That would have just, uh, if I had been anywhere near you, I've been like, this is the greatest thing ever. I can only imagine what that girl with the braid thought, because she didn't, we didn't talk. So I don't think she knew that they were my parents. Oh, nice. <laughs> I am being assaulted by a penny whistle man. Right. Probably eight of the ten people around you were like, what is that dude playing? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So so we have time for one final question. So that what advice would you give to women who are about to run their first marathon or gals who are considering undertaking training for a 26.2? And um, Marianne, let's go with you first. So I would say if you're thinking about uh, doing this and you're on the fence to absolutely do it. Uh, it's the, it's the thing that I'm perhaps happiest that I've, that I've chosen to do uh, and not just for having completed the goal, which was fantastic, but just, just the way that since June 1st, I've really been able to um, get into tremendous shape and stick to a schedule and, and I, it's changed the way that I, you know, view view my time, view my life, the way that I view what's important, the way that I think about myself and what I'm capable of, uh, and that those are um, really worthwhile benefits and absolutely worth, you know, feeling not optimal for an hour. I'm so glad that that's, 
you know, as you said, so much of the race was great and the training was great. So I think just don't think, just go might be a phrase that's useful at this time. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Heather, then how about you? What, um, what advice would you give to women who are about to run their first marathon? Uh, I, I, first of all, I want to echo everything that, that Marianne said. I mean, I, I have loved this entire experience so ridiculously much. I, I, it, it changed my life in so many good ways and, um, and I would do it all over again without a second thought. So do it. If you're thinking about it, do it. But, um, I would also say, you know, find a great training plan. I think that, um, having the training plan that, uh, that, that you guys gave us was, I mean, it was just great. I love the way I, not to turn it into a big AMR commercial, but I, I love the way that it was structured. I like that it was by people who understood what it is to have a busy, complicated schedule and, you know, tell you, okay, if you need to bail on a workout, this is the one that you should bail on that uh, on this week. Um, so find a good training plan and also find a good support group. And that was something else that I loved about the challenge was, you know, all of the women that were on the private Facebook group for the challenge, um, everybody, I mean, you just felt like it was this awesome community. And I had the benefit of also having this amazing support network of my MRTT girls, um, and just, and you should say that, remind people, oh, that moms, run, moms this town, run this town. Yes. And, um, I mean, I, I love those girls and, and I feel like through the training, I've gotten to know so many of them better. And it was amazing that I could just shout out, Hey, I'm doing an 18 mile run this weekend. Who wants to join me? And I felt like people came out of the woodwork to run portions of it with me. And, and so training plan and support network, if you can try and cobble those things together, um, it's yeah, just do it. Just do it. I've heard awesome. that before too, somewhere. <laughs> huh, yeah. 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 That one. Um, well, awesome. Well, congratulations, you guys. I mean, truly from the bottom of our hearts, you, you showed us what it means to set a goal and go for it. And I mean, it is not an insignificant goal by any stretch. And you guys, even if you, you know, having those bad stretches just makes you appreciate it more. Um, and we're just really, really proud and, and psyched for you. Yeah. Yeah. So much so that that was awesome. We, we were thinking about you so much on your race day and and it's wonderful to hear about it and congratulations. Thank you. And thank you you so much for this opportunity and, and just for the inspiration that you guys provide on a daily basis to all of us mother runners out there. Really? Oh, you're very sweet. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. That was awesome to hear from Heather and Marianne about Wine Glass Marathon. And next up is going to be my Saucony 26 Strong Cadet, Laura Bauman, who just completed the Chicago Marathon on Sunday. But first, we're going to hear a quick message from one of our partners. This episode of Another Mother Runner is brought to you by Casper. Casper mattresses combine two technologies, latex and memory foam, for just the right sink and bounce. The technologies come together for better nights, brighter days and even perhaps peppier runs. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to go to a showroom, try to corral your kids, test out mattresses. Nope. Casper mattresses made in the USA show up at your house, free delivery, and you can try it out. So go to casper.com AMR and use promo code AMR 
to get $50 off a mattress. Again, that's Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash AMR and use promo code AMR to get $50 off a mattress. All right. And now we are joined by Laura Bauman, another first time marathoner. She is my Saucony 26 strong cadet. And this is now a week later from when we recorded with Heather and Marianne. And Laura just completed the Chicago marathon. Woo woo. And Laura is the mother of two teenage daughters in Portland, Oregon. She's a staff writer for design magazine. Welcome back, Laura. Thank you. Yeah. So how, how did the race go for you, Laura? Uh, well, you know, I enjoyed almost all of it, I will say. Um, just being part of such a huge event was so exciting. I mean, to be in downtown Chicago, to be with almost 40,000 people, it was just an incredible experience, I have to say that. Do you like big races as a rule? I mean, have you done something that size before? Oh, no, no, never. I mean, of course, this was my first marathon. That was sort of a requirement being part of the Saucony program. And so the only other races that I had done, I had done three halves in this last year. And I think the biggest one had maybe... 5,000 people, if that. And half of those wow. people were marathoners. And so, you know, at the halfway point, it split into two groups at that at that point. So no, this was exponentially bigger than anything I'd ever done before. <laughs> and was that overwhelming to you? Or did you like that size? Like, or a little bit of both? Well, it was actually both. Because, I mean, it, it was so exciting to be a part of something so big. But in terms of actually running the race itself, there were there were so many people in my way, <laughs> for one, but also just in terms of trying to see fans. Um, it was really hard for me to connect with Sarah from the sidelines and from my family who had flown out to Chicago to see me, both from the spectator's perspective and from the runners. It was just really hard to make visual contact because there were so many people on the course and then lining the course. Right, right. So there are pros and cons to being part of such a large event, for sure. Right, because your husband, Tom, was out there, and he tried to see you four times, and you guys only saw each other twice, right? Exactly. And this one of the times was a near miss, and the other time he had to climb on top of some sort of a barricade, and that's the only reason I saw him, is he was six feet in the air. So, yeah, definitely pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you've sort of touched on the topic of the fact that you and I didn't connect. And I got to say, Laura, that is a big, big, big regret for, of, of mine. And, um, caused me some tears uh, on the day of, and, and since. And, um, so what it was, was that I was going to try to see you at mile 12, cheer you on at mile 12. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where Saucony also had a photographer taking photos of the, what it was, was that most of the 26 strong people, there was a coach and then a cadet. And so the cadet was a first time marathoner like you and a coach was a more seasoned runner. And I was the coach, but because of my ankle fracture in May, I wasn't able to run the whole thing. So the plan was to see you at mile 12 and then jump in with you at mile 20. Mm-hmm. And at mile 12, okay, so you... You know, we're wearing a VisiPro coral tank top, so super bright orange tank top, and then these cute black and white um, bullet shorts. Mm-hmm. So distinctive. Right. I saw five other <laughs> coaches and cadets in the 26 Strong program, people that maybe I had just met the day before. And so out of the crowd, I was we were with Jana, who works part-time for us, and, and I'm like, look, there's some 26 Strong people. Yay, goes to 26 Strong. And I'm like, okay, but 
didn't see you. So huge regret there. And as we're hustling to get to mile 20, I'm like, Jonna, we just have to, I just, I can't miss Laura. I can't miss Laura. She's like, you can't, you can't think like that. We're going to meet up with Laura. And I was like, okay. And oh my gosh, I was getting your updates on the phone and, you know, knew that you had crossed the 30K mark so that you should be by in, you know, maybe 20 minutes at the most and waited there for about 55 minutes when Mm. finally I'm like, Jonna, you know, I missed her. I missed her. You know, I just think it speaks to how many people are on the course. It was just so hard for people to see each other. Really, it was. Even with you being 5'11 and me looking for you. It's not possible. (laughs) So, so at that point, so, you know, John and I, we both had bibs. And um, so we were like, well, we got to get back. We got to get to the finish. So let's start running. And so, um, and we had been working the expo both days. Um, On Friday, for example, I'd been on my feet from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m. My ankle was not happy about that. Mm. And so, I mean, the moment I jumped in, I felt like I had already run 20 miles. Like that it was, uh, there was like a a group fatigue factor. And I just was like, oh, this is horrific. And it was so sunny and so hot. It was warm. And for me, it was, it was also just the unrelenting sun. There was no shade. And um, it was, it was a true slog. I mean, it was... I was upset. I mean, I called, I had found, gotten Tom's number from a mutual friend of ours. And I called Tom probably two miles in. I'm like, do you know where Laura is? I didn't connect with her. And then I started to cry on the phone. (laughs) And, um, I just, I just was really disappointed. I was disappointed. I wasn't there for you. I was disappointed for myself because this had been my comeback. You know, to look at like, it was what it kept me going. Right. Right. And I just really, I was very disappointed and very sad. And I'm very sorry that I did not find you. Oh, I don't think there's any reason to apologize. I I really, uh, with all of my, you know, I called it my fan plan. It it fell apart. Like at every single mile, (laughs) we were supposed to have meetings. And so when we didn't connect at mile 20, I was like, okay, yet again. And I think the thing about running a marathon too is so much of it is just digging deep and, and pushing forth kind of in a real solo effort way that I had already begun to wonder, okay, what, how will this work at 20 when you jump in? You know, because we had talked earlier, like I had asked you to push me really hard um, over email a couple of days before we set out for Chicago. And then when we got there, you said, okay, now, do we have a safe word? What do you really mean by push hard? And and I was starting to think about that as I was faltering, approaching mile 20, like, okay, how hard do I really want Sarah to push me? And so I don't know how nice I would have been at mile 20 anyway. Um, so, I mean, you know, these things just happen. And I knew that at the time I, I slowed down a little bit to look for you and it just wasn't to be. So I kept going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, th- you're very kind to, no. to um, forgive me in that, that manner. And I do have to say, though, so Jonna and I were trying to run together and we were only able to stick together for a mile. And it was... It was trying to, to try to stay with somebody in such a crowded field. It was still elbow to elbow, even then. The crowds mm-hmm. almost never let up, I didn't feel either. And and also at that point, by that point, I was with a slower contingency. Mm-hmm. And so I was having to dodge a ton of people. And, you know, so then I was like, thinking, well, is Jonna going to stick with me or do I stick with Jonna? Like, who's leading who here? Right, right. And, you know, there was a lot of... This, you know, the road wasn't perfectly smooth. I mean, in Chicago, there's a ton of potholes. Right. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to twist my ankle. It's going. 
Right, or those blue sponges that you had to run around. Oh. I mean, they're soft and they, they give when you step on them, but at first you're like, there's blue sponges everywhere. Who does this? And then, and then Dimity, do you remember at our party, our first Chicagoland party, we met um, the woman whose name I'm now not remembering, but she had... Um, slipped on a banana peel oh, in yes. the sh- in Chicago Marathon, yes. and she either fra- fractured her hip or dislocated it, and she continued running. Oh dear God! And at the time, at right. The t- right, and we did it as a you know um, what would another mother runner do? Uh, you know, as a column on our website. And at the time, I know I thought, oh, how do you slip on a banana peel in a race? I mean, that's like something I have like Laurel and Hardy or something. <laughs> but I mean, the first there were so many banana places they were handing out bananas. Yeah. That I was with Jonna and I'm I pointed and I'm like, watch out for the banana peels. And it was it was like dodging landmines practically. It was. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting is the um the volunteers who were new that who were standing near the aid station had these big rakes, so they were mm-hmm. raking in all the goo garbage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how do you possibly have time to stick a large rake out in time before someone else comes along and runs? Because it was so crowded. Yeah. And so I was afraid someone would trip that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, but other, the alternative is that they slip on the right. the discarded cups. Right, exactly. And the, you know, and the, yeah, there's so, a lot of dodging of the cups there, too. There was, there yeah. was. So, um, yeah. So yeah, and yeah. Backing up, uh, Laura, to your point, I remember when we ran um, the race that started this whole party back in 2007, the Nike Women's Marathon, 2006, mm-hmm. 2007. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and we had, I was running with my sister, Sarah, and we had one of her friends named Piper jump in with us at about 22 or something like that. And it mm-hmm. was, it's hard because they're fresh and I've been waiting for this all day long, you know, right. to help you, help you, help you. And you're like, oh my God, I just have four miles left, you know, and you're kind of in your zone and you're on the edge and not that Sarah wouldn't have pushed you in an appropriate way, but there is like the energy balance there that you really have to consider when you have someone jump in with you. Yeah, for sure. And and so I thought that Sarah's, you know, I thought we had had this agreement over email before we left. And then the fact that Sarah had asked me indicated that, you know, she's far more experienced at this and that I that we we would need to have sort of a safe word or a better understanding of okay just how will we do this um, and and in me thinking about it too I had started to cramp really really badly every weird muscle small muscle large muscle all of it in my legs had started to cramp and so my whole race plan by mile 20 regardless of Sarah was falling by the wayside anyway so then I was thinking okay how can I continue to run on these like weird crumpled sideways feet when Sarah jumps in with all this fresh energy, what sort of safe word would even work then? <laughs> stop! You don't want it to really, anymore! It really was going to be stop. Um, I found to... my strong. Leave me alone. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, talk a little bit more about that, Laura, because you did, I mean, your stride was completely compromised from what you said. Oh, it was completely compromised. I, I actually looked down. So I don't remember exactly what mile I started cramping, but I would say it was probably right before 20. And all of a sudden, I just felt at my calves first. And then my, you know, my left and right foot both took turns, kind of crumpling and, you know, contorting themselves. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I'm now like running on a small mass where my foot used to be. And I looked down and I, because I, I tried to ignore it at first, and I looked down and just was ridiculous. Uh, how I was actually landing on each foot. And so sometimes I would run through it and then I would begin to take short walks just to see if I could walk it out. And it just kept coming and coming. And so it definitely compromised my stride and my pace and, and my hopes were dashed, I think, at that point. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about, I mean, let's start back at the beginning. I mean, so what, what felt good? What was your race strategy? I mean, 
Talk, tell us about so, how you approach this marathon. Okay, so the race throughout the training all summer long, I think I realized, I think Sarah and I both realized that I was a little bit faster than we initially thought. So initially, That's Sarah. A nice position to be in, right? It was. It was really, it was a good, uh, good element for my confidence for the rest of the summer. So I think Sarah, when she entered my um, race details, put me in for a 415 finish. And so as the summer went on, I just felt really strong and my paces kept kept getting pretty fast. I thought, well, it's possible that I could finish in a four-hour marathon, possibly a 405. And so um, based on those times between four-hour and 415, we thought, okay, you're going to go out 30 to 40 seconds slower than race pace. So race pace for a four-hour finish was nine, nine minute, 10 seconds per mile. So it's a 910. So I went out at 930s, 940s, and the goal was to go out until about miles four, five, or six, and then over the next couple of miles, uh, speed up by about five seconds per mile. So by the time I got to mile 10, I'd be running nine tens, which I more or less did. And I will say that Sarah had warned me, Chicago is so very flat. It's such a fast course, particularly for the first 13. You're so excited. You just have to hold back. And I did, believe me, it was even with that many people, because other people tend to go faster too at the beginning, I did really have to hold back. And I felt really great at the halfway point, I think as a result. Um, and then at that point, <laughs> you know, well, not quite at 13, a couple miles later, then the wheels started to fall off basically. But um, so that was the plan. And um I, my finish time was not uh, what I had hoped it would be. I didn't come in until 425. And I think a big part of it had to do with the cramping issue, which was a surprise. I, I didn't have any of that happen on my long runs over the summer, not a single time. Um, I had taken some salt tablets at the beginning of the race. And then I think another hour and a half in um, with a, just as a preventive measure, because it's happened occasionally doing some mountaineering, mm -hmm. you know, more like really long, long endurance events, but it didn't happen on any of my long runs. And so, but the salt tabs clearly weren't enough. Did you take and salt tabs during your long runs during the summer over the no, summer? No, I never did. And I never mm. had to, I never had any cramping like this. Mm. And so part of it, you know, looking back and of course that's what we all do is look back and say, okay, how would we have done things differently? What would we have changed? I, it was a warm day in Chicago, you know, so I was probably sweating a lot more than I realized and certainly more than I would have on my long runs during the summer because I usually left my house at 5.30 or 6 in the morning sure. when it was still cool. And by the time I was cramping, it was probably, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning on a warm day in Chicago. So it was much warmer. Um, so I think that had something to do with it. Yeah, I also think I think part of it is the the shock of having something happen that never happened right. in training, right. and it's like, wait, this is the big day, right. and why is my body betraying me? Right, like, exactly. Like the the befuddlement of why is this happening? And I think when something starts to happen around mile twenty, it also seems amplified. You know, if if that had happened while you were on a um, you know, 15 mile training run while you were near your house, you would have been like, oh, okay, I can deal with this. You know, I can figure out a plan. And instead it's like, I've gone 20 miles. I, I'm in this strange city. I still have to go 10 K where Sarah, like, why is, you know, what can I do to alleviate this? And it's just, I think, um, it, it was certainly a problem in and of itself, but it probably almost even seemed like a bigger problem 
as it was happening, too. Well, I think that's true. And, and also, I mean, truth be told, there were other parts of my body that were beginning to fail me. So it wasn't the cramping. The surprise cramping is not the only thing that made my time um, slower than I had hoped for. I mean, everyone tends to be a little bit slower, I think. Well, I should say, I, I, I just felt everyone from what I've heard, um, starts to have issues about mile 15 or mile 16. And that happened to me too. My hips were beginning to hurt. You know, my, the bottoms of my feet were beginning to hurt, but it wasn't anything that was insurmountable. I just was getting achy and creaky at that point. And I was beginning to slow down. So there was not going to be a negative split in this race. Um, even if I hadn't started cramping. So I don't want to put you know, all bla- lay all the blame on the on the cramping, but it did definitely feel larger than I wanted it to. And we we had known. I mean, there was there was no surprise that the weather was going to be hot. So I right. had, I had told you to, or I suggested that you kind of manage your expectations because right. um, that it and they and the you know the court the race organizers were very good about sending out alerts and that they had flags out there and everything so that knowing that heat and particularly the sun could. Um, slow you down somewhat. You know, it's funny though, because I did have a couple of runs, longer runs in the summer where I couldn't make it out in the morning and I had to run closer to 11 or 12, which is really awful. But luckily in Portland, it's not that warm at 11 or 12. And so I had had that experience. And I have to say the sun during the race in Chicago didn't bother me. I never thought to myself, oh my God, it's so hot. I'm dying. I didn't realize maybe how warm it had gotten. And I, I did get a burn on my back. Um, so despite, you know, totally layering in, in, um, suntan lotion. So I, I don't know that it registered with me just how warm it was and that I was sweating out salts. Um, well, Laura, I am amazed to hear that you didn't think it was so warm and sunny. You didn't wear a hat or sunglasses in the race. And I mean, it just seemed like, like I was running like into the sun directly. It seems so warm and overly sunny there. Well, I think you, first of all, you jumped in the race a lot later than I did. You had a longer version of the Saucony bullet shorts on than I did. You had capris on, so you had a few more layers on than I did. I mean, I, I don't know. I just didn't notice it. In fact, when they had hoses sprinkling on the runners, I was like so irritated by that. I was like, I don't want to get wet and I don't want to get cooled down. Just get out of my way. So I think it was more that I just had my head down and I was just concentrating on running through the pain. Uh-huh. Uh, I often that- think, I mean, I think it's um also just being on the sidelines and not, I mean, just just having watched like, even a soccer game, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. And watching these kids, I'm like, how can they do that? And they're in the moment and they're moving and they've got, they're creating a little breeze. And I mean, there's something about being a spectator that can be a lot harder, especially when you've got the angst of like trying to find her and then trying to find her again. And, you know, like that's, I think that that was pretty stressful for you, Sarah. So I think once you got to finally run, like, I think that that, you know, the sun was just like the, you know, the, the, the icing on the cake, you know, where if it would have been, all good. And you jumped in then with Laura. Exactly. And you'd seen her at 12. I don't think the sun would have probably felt as intense to you. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that's true. Because it, it is interesting because, you know, when I ran Big Sur, we had very similar conditions and um, it actually got a little even warmer than it did in Chicago. And I, it didn't bother me. I mean, yeah. I wore wool arm warmers for that entire race. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, there's something about being in motion and being in the zone. I mean, Laura was in the zone and she was there to run the race and, and you were there to see her and you weren't able to do that. And that, I think just made it all feel all that more intense. Yeah, it did. I, I honestly, I mean, not to make it sound like I was the one suffering here, but I mean, I immediately went into a pain cave. I just was, um, 
it was it was a real slog. That was well, and I'm just curious, and I'm I'm not being critical, but why did you guys jump into the rate? Like, why didn't you think about a different way of getting there instead of jumping in at mile twenty because you weren't running with anybody? You know, I don't understand the question. I'm the question is like, do you wanted you wanted to get to the finish line or back to your hotel or where were you going? Oh yeah, we wanted to get to the finish line, and there's a part of me that also felt like maybe Laura had just passed her and I could catch up with her because I started running. I started running pretty fast. I mean because. Um, later on, you know, when Jana and I were comparing notes, I was like, she was like, oh, I had such fun. I was like, really? Cause I was just miserable. She's like, well, that's cause you're running so fast. I was like, oh, I, I didn't <laughs> notice that I was running fast. That's oh. why you were hot. <laughs> cause you were doing 5k pace. Yeah. So so, I, I was the way that you explained it. I thought that like, it sounded to me like she was like 55 minutes gone or something like that. And so you guys were just like, okay, fine. We'll just jump in. Like at that point, I don't know that, you know, like, uh, oh, we, well, we just, I didn't know whether she had just passed five minutes ago or 20 minutes ago. I mean, I figured that she had probably gone that it, it, you know, based on her 30 K time, I thought we had probably missed her by a fair stretch, but there was, when I called Tom, he said, Oh, well she just passed 23. And by that point I was at about 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. so really you may have been able to catch up with me if you were doing a 5K <laughs> so pace. Say, still, given the banana peels and the, you know, two miles, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So, um, so, so Laura, so, so we just kind of, we kind of heard about your race and I'm curious about your post-race experience. Like how has that been feeling? Well, it was really interesting because, you know, by the time I, I'll start with crossing the finish line because it, my feelings have changed so much from that moment until now. So by the time I actually crossed the finish line, I, I was, I was, I did not feel the joy of having completed my first marathon at all. I really felt like my hopes were dashed for the time that I had, that I had wanted. Um, my feet were hurting. I was miserable. I mean, and I'm sure that's a, I'm sure that's a shared experience for everyone who crosses at 26.2, but I was, I felt like really deeply disappointed and really just really, really sad. And all I wanted to do was just cross that finish line and find my husband. And it's, it's because Chicago is so huge. I feel like I had to walk another half mile just to get him to see him at our meeting place. And so, you know, I was already sad. And then they gave me this, I'm carrying this stupid yellow banana. I just, and they put the little blanket (laughs) around you. And I just felt like sad sack, Laura, you know, walking to see my husband. And then, so I just was so sad. And then so that was on Sunday. And then Monday when I took the, the plane home, you know, you're, I began, my body began to feel sore by then. And I was still really, really blue. And it wasn't until I think Monday night when I crept out onto the internet and started looking up other people's race times that I realized that by comparison, I came in so much faster than many of the people who were in the Saucony group. And I came in 65, I came in ahead of 65% of the women in my age division. And so, and I also finished, you know, faster than 20,000 other people in the race itself. So I thought, (laughs) okay, maybe you shouldn't feel so sorry for yourself after all, you silly girl. And And so I was able to, I was able to kind of pick myself up then. And now I'm feeling much more positive about the whole experience and looking forward. And also that, um, we should point out that you were saying that, um, how your times were faster than some of the other people in the Saucony 26 strong. The reason that those people are also about half our age, that there were a lot of 20 somethings in that group. And so there, right. there is a certain, we do take a certain pride and be like, yeah, okay. Faster than 25 year old. Like I have to admit, I did take a little pride in that. That's true. <laughs> um, but by, so Sunday evening we were, um, treated to a lovely dinner by Saucony 
and before I had to, um, John and I had to dash for me to get on my plane, but so that um, by dinner time you were already talking about marathon number two. <laughs> so, um, what have your thoughts been since then? Well, I I, I was, and um, I I am already thinking about marathon number two, and I and part of me thinks, okay, if I can, if I can outrun 20,000 20, other people in Chicago, then I can probably beat my own time in another six months or so in a much smaller race where I don't have to worry about pushing ahead of someone or moving laterally or taking time just to get to a pace that I feel really comfortable with. So um, I'm thinking about running the Eugene Marathon in May um, and just taking some time off, taking like the next couple of months to dial back. I have a, I have a ongoing issue with the ball of my right foot. So I need to back off of that for a little while for sure. So maybe I'll do some cycling and definitely stay with my strength trainer. And then after Christmas, start looking ahead toward another marathon in May. And and the, and I will also add that the Eugene Marathon is so, so much smaller. I've run the half before, which is half of the full course. So I'm familiar with it. Um, it's really, really flat and fast, just like Chicago. And so I think there's a lot of elements for success waiting for me if I just can go for it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, I mean, and and this is always me, you know, coming in like with a dustpan, but I hope that, you know, that you don't, that you feel successful now. Because, okay, first of all, there are about a gazillion listeners listening who would die for a 425. And secondly, you ran the, I mean, you, you ran your race the best you could on the day that you could. Right. And I know that it's, I know that it's hard to kind of process that, but having not been part of your training process at all and hearing your story now, like, I mean, that's a really, really, really strong first marathon. And so I guess I just want you to just kind of bask in that a little bit because, you know, I mean, you only get to do it once and for you to be just so disappointed and be like, Oh, and now, now in six months I'll get what I wanted. Like, you 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 found some serious strong you did an awesome job well i appreciate that and i and i know that i sound like a total whiner complaining about a 425 i know how that might sound to other people i'm really fully aware of that and i um i i'm trying to struggle with that because i i'm i'm happier with the accomplishment as each day goes by and my muscles are not sore and i I did look at the comparison with the other runners, which, you know, I'm weak. I, I'll admit that that helped me actually, like knowing that no, I. No, that's not weak. That's human. I mean, that's yeah. that's not. I mean, that's people do that. You go up and look up your times and all that. But I mean, at the same time, I think you have to real. I mean, I know you realize that you know going from a half marathon to a marathon is not just adding 13.1 miles. It's adding right. this whole other layer of of difficulty, right? Right, right, for sure. And and actually, I will say that um, I, I am proud of it. I really am. And I'm proud of anybody who does that length because it is no easy feat. Honestly, no matter what your starting point is, no matter what your level of fitness or your age is, to run 26.2 miles is a huge accomplishment. And hats off to every one of us who did it in Chicago and in every race this fall. I mean, it really is an accomplishment and I am proud of it. I think moving forward, for me, running in, in Eugene in May, about six months from now, won't just be a chance for me to try and, and beat that time. But I, I've fallen in love with running too. And, and the camaraderie that's come from meeting other women who I run with and, and jumping into various races in my hometown. It's not just about beating the time. It's also about moving my own running forward. Oh, sure. Um, of course. Just for the social elements of it. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean to chastise you at all, but I just want like, I just like, it's hard to hear because I'm just like, oh my gosh, you did such a good job. And for you to feel like you didn't, 
important is is hard that that hurts my heart a little bit. So oh, well, I appreciate it. Um, and the other thing is, uh, you did your job, Sarah, because now you've got a marathoner. You've made a a, a twenty six stronger. You know. Yeah. I know. I know. I um. Well, I'm incredibly proud of Laura, and um, I um feel she gives me far too much credit with it. Say like quoting. Well, Sarah said this, and Sarah told me this. I'm like, oh, really? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. That, you give so. me lots of good nuggets of advice the whole whole summer long. <laughs> so that um, you know, and and but I am very excited to hear you say when when Laura said she was thinking Eugene, I um big thumbs up signal over here in the studio because Molly, my running partner, and she and her um, college-age daughter are signed up for Eugene because I'll be training for Boston. And then Eugene is, I believe, two weeks after that, maybe three weeks. And so I was already thinking like, oh, you know, Molly and I, you know, we wanted to do some training runs. So now, Laura, you and I will finally get to do some training runs together. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Super. And and so, um, and I have to say that, so, you know, Eugene is where I set my marathon PR. It's a fantastic oh good good the weather is oftentimes just primo so people who are listening i'd like them to give some thought to coming and and also a city that has such amazing running history and you are a native of oregon so that must i'm not just a native of oregon but i am a a oregon grad too so that was really fun to finish the half in may on uh, hayward field it was really exciting yeah yeah. So in those people listening, that's where Steve Prefontaine had right. all his glory. Right. So, um, so if, and all the marathoners finish with a, and the half marathoners finish with a lap around the, that, um, uh, momentous, um, stadium. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what advice would you give to women who are listening, who are about to take on their first 26.2 <laughs> or women who are thinking about doing it? Um, okay. So here's one bit of advice. Um, if you're running in a major, like if you're doing New York in a couple weeks, give yourself far more time than you initially planned to, to drop your gear off, go to the porta potties. I arrived, I think I, my corral closed at 745 and I was scheduled to start at eight o'clock. And my husband and I arrived at Grant Park where the marathon starts at a little before seven. And I figured even with a major marathon, I would have, you know, 45 minutes to drop gear and go to the bathroom would be plenty of time. Well, it wasn't. I was in the porta potty line for 40 minutes by the by the time I finished for some reason it was just there must have been like a camera on us like our line wasn't moving and at one point so many people in the line were getting frustrated and worried about making it to the crowds on time that they started yelling go 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 every time the door would open (laughs) yeah yes exactly it was it was really stressful it was it was so much pressure and so by the time I was done in the porta potty I had four minutes it was 7:41. I had 4 minutes to run to gear drop oh and then God. and then get into the corral in time before the gates closed. Mm-hmm. So, and it was probably I would say it was a third of a mile between the both. So, I basically did like this serious mad dash, a sprint right before I'm starting my marathon. Yeah. <laughs> to get into the corrals and those lovely eager volunteers, God bless all 12,000 of them in the Chicago Marathon, closed the gates to the corral a minute early. These people in front of me were like, you know, looking at their watches. It's 7.44. It's 7.44. And they're like, sorry. And so they said, you had to go to the back of the pack, which was probably another, you know, two or three city blocks down. And there was a chain link fence, a five foot chain link fence. And they, they just jumped it. And I was like, oh, well, 
I'm, I've been training for a marathon. I'm in pretty good shape. I'm jumping the fence too. <laughs> so over the chain link fence, I went into even the crowd that wasn't mine. But because I, you know, I would have been even farther back at the pack had I lawfully walked back where I'm supposed to. So ladies, 40 minutes is not enough time for the bathroom line at a major marathon. Well, and also the world majors and, and bigger races have a lot more security than, than races that it's we are true. accustomed to here in Portland and in the, in the general area. And, well, and the other reason I think that's important, uh, particularly the, the more people who are running is because, you know, I, because I, I still didn't make it into the corral the the beginning of the corral which I had hoped to be in it was still the right time but I was toward the back I think that that did just put so many more people in front of me and I did it many times throughout the race even up to the halfway point I felt like I was just so I was on the heels of the person right in front of me so my goal was to be at the front of my corral um, which would have put me you know, closer to the four hour runners instead of the 415 runners. And I was behind the 415 runners. And I think it, I think it did actually have an impact. Um, I just was always either right on someone's heels or surging to get ahead of them or moving sideways, you know, all of which I knew I wasn't supposed to do because it expends energy. Yeah, I was about to say that's exhausting. It's it was exhausting. exhausting. Yeah. 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 And so I just think, um, you know, taking all of that extra time in advance, even if you uh, are cold or you don't want to stand around, you really just have to do it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a good call. Yeah. And also there, I mean, there was so much dodging and there was, and that, um, my, my ankle doesn't hurt when I run, but my ankle hurt after yeah. that. And I was like, Oh, that's because I did so much lateral motion. Right. So while I was running, I actually was thinking people who are going to do a big crowded race should actually do some lateral training. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, mm-hmm. Tim, when we did Nike Women's, don't you remember how much dodging there was in that race? And and I just felt like there was so much side-to-side motion that I got some pains that I wasn't accustomed to because of mm-hmm. all that. You know, um, you know, kind of up near my hips and... Um, I was just, you know, over. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with the dodging. I just think it had to do with the running. Um, but yeah. Anything else you would, would tell people, Laura, like on a, on a bigger scale, like when you think you're ready or, you know, anything that you learned through training? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I was really diligent with over the summer was to practice my fueling strategy because in the last half, my personal trainer laughed at me because... I, I really remember, this was the, running the Eugene half in May, I remember completely hitting the wall at mile 10. It was like I was driving a car and the gas just ran out. It was such a before and after moment for me. And my personal trainer was said to me, well, tell me about your training or your fueling. And I said, well, I took a, a, a um, package of shop cliff bar shot blocks and he said well how many did you have and I said well I had one at mile four and one at mile eight and he said one pack or one square and I said one square and he just rolled his eyes and so (laughs) oh yeah it's right and so I was really at that point I had learned my mistake and I realized you know you need at least 100 calories every um, for miles, which one of those entire packages is. And so um, I really worked on that over the summer and I, and I learned what, I, what flavors of goo I like and what I don't like and that I needed to drink them with water. And so on race day itself, I felt like, you know, I executed the plan, the fueling plan, just exactly as I had practiced. So every four miles, like clockwork, I just squeezed one of those packets down my gullet 
followed with the shot of water. And I, I really never felt like I hit the wall like I did in Eugene. I felt like my, my energy level was high um, throughout the entire race. So that part really worked. And then I also had followed, um, I think that I had gotten a hold of a piece maybe that you had written for a magazine about what you do to carbo load the three days prior to the race. Yes. And I was, I was really kind of, I have to say, I was overwhelmed with the amount of carbohydrates I was supposed to put in my body. It is. Um, yes. It is. She I, kept I talking just, about it in Chicago. She's like, there's, it's just so much. It's just so much. I just have to tell you, it grossed me out. I'm not used to having like a cliff bar followed by a jug of Gatorade. That's just not what I'm <laughs> know, right? used it's to eating. It's like a normal snack. And then no. You, you texted me about Rice Krispies treats chased with chocolate milk oh my god it was just i just felt like my kids eyes were larger than life they're like mom we get to have rice krispies chocolate milk all i wanted was eggs i just didn't want any of the pasta anymore and so uh, but but it worked i mean i think in combination of the pre-race fueling and then race day goo uh fueling i think it worked really really well so i i would take that seriously yeah, um moving good. forward yeah it's a lot of white but it's it's for like two or three days, especially because um, it just makes such a difference. Yeah. I really feel like it did. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, and, and Laura and I both want to thank Saucony for such an incredible experience. I mean, it was it was just a wonderful, wonderful weekend. It was great to be with all those other coaches and cadets and to be treated to such a lavish experience was was really lovely. It was really lovely. And and I think just to be part of a group of other people who were doing the exact same thing. I mean, there were 13 teams. I think there were some injuries uh, among the teams over the course of the summer. So not every coach and cadet ran, but everyone was there for the most part. And so to be part of a group of more or less 13 newbies who were going through this experience for the first time. And then Saucony was so generous in an incredible amount of gear, beautiful gear that we all, you know, I got in the elevator and I was like, oh, I like your outfit. And because there were all these other runners wearing the exact same clothes that I was wearing. And um, so, yeah, it was just an amazing experience and um, incredibly well organized. So, yeah, thank you, Saucony, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Way to find your strong, your 26 strong ladies. Yeah. Well, awesome. So, Dim, let's head on over to the challenge corner, shall we? We shall. We'll go from uh, 26.2 to, to a lovely 6.2, a 10K distance. This is Jessica H., who writes in, My race was yesterday, and it was awesome. I beat my goal time by more than two minutes and significantly improved over my first 10K this summer. And I ran the whole thing, even the uphill last mile, and passed some people late in the race. All things I would have never thought possible a few months ago. Thanks for this challenge and all of you on Strava who've shared your miles and accomplishments. I don't actually know that many people in real life who are this into running. So it's been awesome to be part of this community. Now to decide what comes next. That's Congratulations, great. Jessica. I love that. That's that's so cool that you went faster. You You ran the whole thing. You ran the last mile, which is uphill, which is like you know, the worst combination right there ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Two words you don't want put together last and uphill. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally. That's great. So congratulations. And um, it's just fun to to hear the race reports come in. Yes. Yes. So keep them, keep them coming. You find your strong challengers. So the song that we want to have is one that we think a lot of racers will feel. It is Alive by Sia. 
and I basically have this great running song on auto repeat. fantastic if you want more inspiration or perhaps to check out one of our frequent giveaways that we have please head on over to our site anothermotherrunner.com and also you can uh, meet dimity in person at the zuma colorado springs race which is october 23rd and 24th and that same weekend i will be at happy girls in sisters oregon i'm going to be the mc at that race which i just have a ton of fun doing so hope to meet a bunch of you there So whatever distance you're running, many happy miles to you.